Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. If you enjoy The Huddle, please take a minute to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. We're approaching August, which means young adults across the country will start heading off to college. For people with diabetes, the stress of a new environment can be even more amplified with the challenges of managing a 24-7 disease. Today, Anna Sabino from the College Diabetes Network and Diabetes Care and Education Specialist Marie Boddy join us to discuss how you can best support this critical life transition in your practice. Anna and Marie, welcome to the huddle. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Well, we are so happy to have you, especially just to talk about this topic of helping college-bound students go to college. And, you know, this is the perfect time of year. I'm always reminded when I'm walking through Target and all of a sudden I, I see all the stuff for college-age kids. So it reminded me, hey, I've got to reach out and chat with you guys about this. You know, I know you both pretty well. We've had some great conversations, but I'm not quite sure all of our listeners know you and your background, so I'd love it if you could introduce yourselves. Sure, I can start. My name is Anna Sabino. I currently serve as the Director of Young Adult Programs at the College Diabetes Network. I also happen to live with type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed as a six-year-old, and I have a young family now, so I, although my kiddos are not teenagers entering college, I now kind of have that parent perspective ever so slightly. And I'm especially grateful to be a part of this podcast because I'm also a diabetes care and education specialist with that kind of unique social work pathway background. So super excited to kind of represent the psychosocial world with Marie. Hey, and I'm Marie Body. I'm a family nurse practitioner and certified diabetes care and education specialist. I work at Boston Children's Hospital Diabetes Program. I have one of many educator clinicians there, and we have a great program. We see thousands of people. We work very, very closely with CDN, especially at this time of year. They are our go-to organization for all things related to not only going off to college, but getting off into real life. So you hear CDN, you think about college, but we are preparing folks for young adulthood. Um, they eventually leave our program. We can't keep them forever. And they go off and they get jobs. They get married. They get relationships. They go into the workforce. Some of them go to college. And I, 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 you, know, you walk through Target and think about it now. We're thinking about it for years and years and years. <laughs> Marie, I'm so happy that you said that, that it's not just kids going to college. It's really this transition age, right? I hear you guys talk about that all the time. The transition stage between 18 to 25. And I'm hearing more and more that a lot of kids aren't going to college. You know, the world is opening up and there's so many different, you know, paths to take. It's kind of an exciting time. Well, so pleased to have you both here. Your expertise and your background and your breadth of knowledge is just amazing. So we're so lucky to have you. 
You know, I'm wondering, Marie, if you could address, um, you know, I, I come from a research background and we see in these transitions of care that generally there's worse outcomes. The data shows that there's worse outcomes sometimes for this group. Can you talk a little bit about that and and maybe some ideas you have to address that? Yeah, sure. Anybody who's been to any diabetes conference in the last 10 years has seen the slide from the type 1 T1D network exchange that talks about the A1C graph from childhood to adulthood. And a terrible, scary thing happens in the middle. Kids hit adolescence across the board and their A1Cs jump up from somewhere around 7.5 on average to around 9.3 now. And it doesn't come back down to the adult average of, again, around 7.5 till about age 30. So we're talking about really foundational years for entering the workforce, getting in relationships, having children, going to college, starting professions. And we're talking about a prolonged hyperglycemia for a lot of people, which has detrimental effects we know. We know about the long-term effects of poor control. We also know that good control in these formative adolescent and young adult years is protective for decades to come. So there's all these wonderful reasons to get at good control from, I don't know, age 13 to 25. Of course, the corollary here is that these are the hardest years to get good control. Kids who've been really good at counting their carbs and taking their insulin and keeping a logbook and doing everything right somehow forget about diabetes often in the teen years. Mm -hmm. Other things are more important. Other priorities come into play. So we are always working, working, working with this group from pre-adolescence on to encourage them not to be part of the norm where the A1C rises, puts them at risk for all kinds of long-term, frankly, and short-term events too. We know that cognitive function is impaired by prolonged hyperglycemia or hypoglycemia. We want folks in the sweet spot. We want folks between 70 and 180 as much as possible. We want that A1C down where it belongs, and we'll work really hard to help get it there. Well, you know, you mentioned, Marie, pre-adolescence, right? And so I think that goes back to like, you know, the early teen years and maybe even 11 or 12 on up, you know, lots of times when we think about adolescence and transitions, we're thinking about that like really emotional identity crisis period. But how do you really approach that? Like I said, I really honed in on that pre-adolescence. I would say that we start as early as humanly possible. Certainly, if a family's coming in with a toddler, we are primarily talking to the parents and the kid is drawing with crayons and listening in here and there and catching some of what we say. But as soon as we can speak directly to the child, how do you feel? How do you feel when you're low? How do you feel when you're high? And as soon as a child can participate, supervised always, but participate in their care, be active, have some agency, learn to count carbs. Our young friends do so well with math because they get it thrown at them from day one. And I think what we're working towards is a very delicate balance of moving from a place where, of course, parents have to have primary responsibility for management of care when kids are young to when kids go off to adulthood and they're responsible, there has to be that long middle road. And it starts, again, really young. And we do it in small ways. Hey, Johnny, how many carbs can you promise to eat at lunch? You know, and then kids learn to have some agency over 
what they eat. Kids learn to wait. Can you set a timer and wait 15 minutes after you bolus? These are life skills. It's the same skills. Learning not to sneak candy from the cupboard at age six is not so unrelated to grazing on the pizza at midnight when you're 17. So learning to own the diabetes. This is my diabetes. I'm not totally responsible at 10 or 11. I can't be, but I can be very involved. I can be very engaged. I can do exactly as much as I can do. And I can work with my family to gain more and more responsibility under supervision. And that balance just shifts as kids get older. You hit the nail on the head with that balance. And that's where my head was going. And Anna, jump in here at any time, you know, especially with your background and, you know, a person with diabetes since you're six years old and now managing a family, that balance between the person and the numbers, right? That changes throughout life and what somebody's able to manage or able to take in. How do you work with people? What's that tipping point? Thanks for bringing up that balance piece, because I think young adults, and we talked about this earlier, Marie, you know, young adults have so much happening in this really teeny age bracket. You've got dating, drinking, there's so many firsts, right? Within that driving, (laughs) driving, they're all the D words, right? Then diabetes. Oh, right. That word. But I think for me personally, as someone living with diabetes, I really didn't think If I do this now, it will affect me down the road until after I graduated college. And I'm not saying us as clinicians or people don't understand that, but it's so hard to get into the mindset of a teenager. And I work really closely with parents because I see the fear and I sense the anxiety. And actually, there's a difference between those who are diagnosed at like, you know, 15, 16, 17, because like you said, Marie, they are the ones receiving that education. And I think it's almost harder for those parents and caregivers to struggle that balance of learning to let go from that kind of independence piece, knowing they've had some of that control. I don't love that word, but that kind of sort of control over over the behaviors of their child's life from managing their diabetes so intricately. And I think that's where you know, CDN has realized that we have to start younger too. uh, And we've worked very closely with Boston Children's. I think we've done five or six different of these like off to college type events, which we do a lot of right now, um, given the time of year we're in, where, you know, we actually are talking about transitioning to independence for 13, 14, 15, 16 year old. And it is almost too late to start having these conversations, you know, unless of course you're diagnosed then about kind of going off to college and adulthood when you're a junior and senior in high school, because we really just want to make sure that communication with mom and dad happens. You're talking about alcohol, you're in in an appropriate way, but that you're setting up the entire unit, the entire team for success, because it's this kind of Transition, not transfer. And transition is, you know, like a marathon. The transfer is just the sprint. Okay, you go to college, you go see a new provider. But the transition and the marathon is like years of practice. 
And I know that Anna would agree with me that you meet people exactly where they are when you meet them. So I'm thinking now of a young man I met when he was about 12. And his priority right then was not college. It was to have a fun experience at summer camp. And the issue was that his mother had been responsible for the food that he was eating and for his overall diabetes management. And here he was in front of a buffet every morning, which had unlimited Danish and pastry and French toast. And that was an issue for this young man. And so his motivation was, I want to be able to stay at camp. Mother was, you have to be safe. And camp was, we don't know if we can do this. It wasn't a diabetes camp. It was a regular camp. And so we, you look at everybody's vested interest. He wants to be at camp. He needs to show that he can say, I'm going to eat whatever it is, three pieces of French toast, bolus for it appropriately, show the nurse, eat the French toast, carry on. And this same child, we've moved through phases of now he's home and we worked on maybe not just grazing all the time on the brownies that you love to make without covering them. And then we worked on, well, you like to cook. How about you learn how many carbs are in what you're cooking? And now we're working on, gee, now that you're in range more often, how does that feel? And doesn't that feel so much better? So you really have to see where are you? What are your priorities? What's your agenda? Because I cannot impose my agenda on anybody and things are going to work so much better if everybody's invested. I think that's a great point too, Marie, just about setting those SMART goals. I mean, most people know the SMART goals, but it's, you know, you're not going to go ahead and change every single thing or suggest a correction factor, carb ratio, basal rate adjustment, and everything in one appointment. You're going to start small and you're going to introduce new opportunities and really set the goals together. Goals should really be driven by the patient, we all know. And I think as we think about going off to college, it really is about that balance. It's, you know, how do you balance this having fun with this kind of overexposure and feeling of overwhelmness of things that are new? And and I love the point about summer camp because I think we want to make sure that these kids aren't so sheltered to the point where whoa, now there's a buffet of unlimited ice cream bar. That was that was my thing, personally. The soft serve was just always so tempting in college. So I had to limit myself like <laughs> once a week to the soft serve bar. And I think right now with COVID too, there's just this heightened invisible fear that exists too. So meeting, continuing to meet and listen. And the other thing I'll say too is just going back to that peer support piece. You know, connecting with other people. I know that Marie and her team does such a fabulous job handing out the off to college booklets and opportunities, but the peer support piece through CDN's chapter network is amazing. So highly recommend everybody checks out collegediabetesnetwork.org to make sure that peer support is a part of appointments and making sure that people are comfortable having a go-to buddy and talking and advocating about what their needs are living with diabetes. Oh, Anna, your your soft serve ice cream bar was like, <laughs> was my uh, cereal choice. I was like, my eyes got really big when I saw like the 20 different kinds of cereal I could have yeah. like morning, noon and night. So I, I totally get that. You know, I love talking with you guys because you always make me think and you know, one of the things I'm hearing throughout, number one, was that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I love that analogy, Anna. The other thing I'm hearing from both of you is parents letting go, 
And I, as a parent, know how difficult that is, even without throwing the other D into it, which is diabetes, you know, how difficult that is. And then you started touching on the emotional aspects when you talked about peer support and the emotional aspects of what it's like to be a transitioning um, young adult. Right before we start wrapping this up, do you want to address those? I, either one of you guys address that emotional piece of, of that age group. I mean, I think the emotional piece that I can speak from personally and professionally is that it doesn't ever end. And the burden of self-advocacy of living with a chronic illness is non stop. You know, I think that was the biggest adjustment for me um, becoming an adult. You know, I was someone who attended the same K through 12 school district. And I think that's something to keep in mind with brand new college students or young adults is that it is ongoing all the time. And diabetes, if it's working correctly all the time, it's great. But I still in my mid 30s have days where I forget to relatch my pump site. And as young adults, I think we have to continue as a society to give them grace. Um, and just like we forget to turn off our stove or lock the door, we forget our pumps and we forget to check our blood sugar or just forget. And these are some of the brightest and smartest and enthusiastic, passionate young adults that we work with at CDN. And so making sure that they have the space for support and being listened to when everything is exacerbated by the confounding factors of going to college, plus the stress of the cyclical effect of stress causes high blood sugars, high blood sugars cause stress, um, is a perfect storm. So Marie, what do you have anything to add to that? Please, I would love to talk about the importance, the essential importance of really good communication between yeah. adults and their families, wherever they are, across town, across the country, um, between the young adults and their clinical team. Um, we care for our young adults until they're 25 years old. We don't throw them out until they're 26. So we say, you could be hiking the Alps. And if you have a problem, you can reach out to us 24-7 and talk to somebody. So it is years of exploration, emotional, new attachments and changes. It's profound. And diabetes goes well when life goes well. And when life is hard, diabetes is hard. So um, have people that you can talk to. Have your peers in your CDN group. Have your roommate. Have your RA. Have your workmate, your parents, your good friends. Having an outlet. Have a therapist if you need a therapist. But communication is key for when these situations get tricky. We are all here to help and we're happy to help. So it sounds like if that's one thing that you could leave our listeners with, would it be that communication plan and that openness? I would say yes. Communication between all members of the team is essential. I would say don't wait to start thinking about going to college. Don't start junior, senior year. Start young. Parents worry about it young. Be patient and small incremental changes, small moves towards independence, small gestures of look and see how I can do this. Look, I can drive responsibly. I can be at camp responsibly. I can be at my friend's house responsibly are things that make parents feel more secure. Every parent wants their child to be happy and to be safe. And every parent wants that transition to go well as well. We, again, need to support everybody. We need to have individuals feel comfortable and competent in their own self-care. We need to have parents who know that they can reach out to their children, to the care team as well. Everyone's involved. Takes a village. 
Fantastic. And Anna, I would ask, I mean, we've talked about, you know, takes a village, communication plans, and I know the College Diabetes Network has some great resources. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. So I know Marie alluded to them before, and a lot of clinicians kind of use our off-to-college guides as like the Bible. But I think what is so nice about our off-to-college guides is one, they're free. Two, they are digitally available for download. So you can link them in EMRs or after visit summaries. You can throw them up on a screen share and a telehealth appointment now. We know virtual visits are possibly the thing of the future. But you can also bring up certain pages, you know, where they talk about alcohol and accommodations and some of our other guides, not just the off to college guides, because the end we know is really about this holistic transition. It you know talks about insurance and interviewing and advocating for your own rights. That's our off to work guide, which you know really, although it was originally designed for kind of that post graduation field. If you have an internship, if you're taking a gap year, if you're going to community college or trade school, it's all about advocating for yourself as an adult. And then our newly diagnosed guide called the You've Got This Guide is. I really think a resource anyone who has diabetes, regardless of how long you've been diagnosed, should get their hands on because it's basically a glossary and an index of diabetes terms. And I know for me personally, I didn't really get a lot of education or re-education as an 18-year-old going off to school or people kind of just assume you know how to describe diabetes scientifically And I, you know, until I was studying for the CDCES exam, I'm like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense pathophysiologically. And it's written in an organic young adult approach perspective that's, I don't want to say it's like diabetes for dummies, but all of our resources and blogs and community support for parents through our parent Facebook group has the young adult voice in mind and trying to transition everyone with this really holistic community-wide approach. So even if you have a family that is hesitant or isn't that like camp counselor, rah, 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 kind of more shy personality, CDN is there when you need it, wherever you're at on your young adult independence journey. And to echo what Maria said all along, We have a lot of parents who join our community when their kids are 14, 15. It definitely starts young and is that kind of gradual success ladder, we hope. Yeah, you know, I mean, that time is so crazy busy anyways. And you guys do such a lovely job of pulling these resources together for people. They're truly invaluable. So I'm sure I'm not the only one that says thank you to CDN for all the work you guys do. But I hate this. We're getting close to the end of our show, I always like to ask a question near the end is, what is an idea or tip you would like to leave our listeners with? And I would say just to start, you know, by listening and talking with you guys, I've heard about family, I've heard about how important the communication plan is, that this is a marathon, and giving these adolescents, these young adults, I should say, grace. I love the way that you said that. And from there, I'd love to turn it over to both of you to get your thoughts. What is a tip you'd love to leave with our listeners? 
I want to tell our listeners to be gentle with the patients in their care and their families and to know that everyone is trying the best they can. It's our job as educators to see where they are, to see where they struggle. I tell every family I meet with, my job is to make it easier, less painful, less of a hassle so that you can take care of the diabetes and get on with the rest of your life. And maybe that means camp or college or trade school or whatever it means. But if you have really clear communication and you're open and you're listening to your families and your individual's diabetes, you'll know where to go. And I would say small incremental steps is the way to go. And again, just do it with love. People feel it. That's so great to hear. I would, again, completely agree with Marie's statement, you know, build trust with your patients and refer for a community. I mean, all of us, whether as providers, we're all dealing with something, whether we have diabetes as, a, as an educator, we have baggage and we have mental baggage and we don't want to be alone. And that's our tagline at CDN, on your own, but not alone. And the last thing anyone wants in life is to feel alone. So the referral for community support, whether it's through a big chapter or whether it's through an online community or just reading an article, whatever that is, reducing that isolation, we know has both short and long-term really positive implications. I'm going to put a plug for the peer support working group that ADCES was so awesome to orchestrate um, because within the website is embedded tips on how to refer to peer support and other podcasts and resources that talks about the value of being involved in a community. Those were amazing thoughts from both of you guys, from two amazing women, and truly appreciated. And I know that our listeners will get just a ton out of this. So thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope you join us again soon, maybe next year at the same time when I see Target getting ready for college again. Thank you so much for doing this. It's really important, and it was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today, we heard from Anna Sabino from the College Diabetes Network and Diabetes Care and Education Specialist, Marie Boddy. As young adults beginning to transition to college, work, and adulthood, it's important to listen and meet them where they are. Start talking about upcoming changes early and develop a communication plan with them and their family and the diabetes care team before they transition to a new environment. And remember, you can visit the show notes to access all the resources mentioned in this episode. Membership at ADCES gives you access to the education, networking, and resources to improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Find out what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.